Hello and welcome to the Island Stories podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Hadfield. Two years ago, I came back to the island looking for a sanctuary. When things got really tough, I came home, which really got me thinking. Each and every one of us living here has an island story, and each of my guests is someone with an extraordinary story to tell. This podcast is brought to you with Spence Willard, estate agent selling and letting some of the finest coastal and country property across the island. Each week we'll be showcasing their property of the week, so stay tuned for that later in the podcast. So let me introduce this week's guest, Charlotte Legg, cosmetic scientist, holistic and aromatherapist. Island Whispers tell me she was very much the powerhouse in product at Liz Earl, where she worked for more than a decade. In 2019, Charlotte founded her own line of natural cosmetics. Describing herself as a farmer's wife, I have a feeling this interview is going to reveal just how multi-talented this island girl really is. Hey, Charlotte, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, the first question we always ask on the podcast very simply why the island I grew up on the island um, one of five children and we spent most of our childhood exploring the countryside and its diverse landscape so it's very much home and where did you grow up whereabouts and where did you go to school so we grew up on the outskirts of Carisbrook um, in slightly rural um, location um, and we went to school at Carisbrook High School you were part of a pretty big family Yes. Um, my mum as well is one of 13 um, children as well. Oh, I didn't know that. For quite a rural background as well. Um, and yeah, so one of five, we obviously, mum was a single mum in the end. Um, so we spent quite a lot of the time, you know, just exploring the countryside, going to the beaches, collecting pebbles, looking at wildflowers. And I guess for my mum at the time, it would have been, you know, activities that were budget friendly, but wholesome single mum of five kids I mean I was a single mum but only for about a year and it was really really tough and that was just a one but five children how did that affect your childhood down here did it give you more freedom or what impact did it have I think actually freedom probably is the right word. Um, we grew up, we backed onto um, Carisbrook Mill and we were able to go exploring through there. You know, we had built dens in the mill and we used to play down by the sluice gates, which are probably dangerous these days. <laughs> yeah, we were allowed to run quite free. I guess that's a generation thing as well. Things have changed so much, haven't they? But yeah, we used to explore most of the island yeah, together as kids. Well, that brings me to where we're sitting now recording this interview. So we're in your home that you've built on your and your husband's land. And the views are absolutely spectacular. We're right in the middle um, of the island. Tell me, who who's your island family now? Who do you live with? So I live with my husband, Matt. Um, he is the farmer. And my three children, yeah, Pip, Thea and George. And what kind of ages are they? They are 12, 9 and 5. So we've had those cows roaming past the window as we record this. So if you hear a moo, then um, that's not a sound effect. That is, in fact, real. I mean, it's the views, though, isn't it, up here? So we're just off the Downs Road. And I'm lucky because my sister lives up here. Yes, She's one of your neighbours. She is. Uh, so I get to see this view all the time. But when you drive over the Downs Road, you know, I always used to look across at these farms and think, wow, what an amazing location. You actually live here. What's it like? You have to pinch yourself most days. And I will never take it for granted. I think every single morning, it sounds really cheesy, but every single morning when I open the curtains, I just take that view in. I'm so grateful for our surroundings. And I think 
when you look at it, you realize actually how small you are in this universe and the great things that go on around us. Just, yeah, I absolutely love it. There's the cow <laughs> on cue. Producer Alex, could you hear that on the... Oh, good. Okay, so we're really getting the atmosphere here. And it's an area of outstanding natural beauty up here. I think the really unique thing is the mixture of countryside and coastal, because you can see the sea and the hills here. Yes, we can. So I've a slightly overcast in the distance today, but you can usually see the sea. You can watch the firework displays on firework night across the whole of Southampton and Portsmouth from here. Oh, of course. Um, and the, the wider county. Uh, the red arrows at Cowles Week's incredible. <laughs> they come flying through, which is amazing. But yeah, you see the passing cruise liners of an evening all lit up, looking quite magical in the distance. Because people always say, you know, the wonderful thing about the Isle of Wight is its mixture of countryside and coastal. And you've really got the best of both worlds. Just tell me, how did you sort of both come to be living on this land and building the house here? Um, Matt's grandfather um, farmed this land previously, say from the 60s, and we took over about... 18 years ago so I think actually our first New Year's Day together as a new couple um, spent planting all the hedgerow actually um, further down that you can see and the first summer here spent fencing all of these fields and realizing actually the previous generations before us rather than remove a fence and put a new one up they put a new fence up in front of the old one so we had about three rows of fencing to take down before putting some back but we um, lamb up here, um, New Year's Eve, New Year into January. So quite often would spend New Year's on my own. And so when we had the opportunity to pop in planning for a house here, it was more for selfish reasons, really, so that we didn't have far to travel through the night. But actually now, just grateful for those views. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful house that you've built here. And it's obviously very much working farmland. So yes. just tell me a little bit about what kind of farming you're doing here. OK, so we have a range of beef cattle, um, which you can see. Um, we have quite a large flock of pedigree Suffolk sheep and sort of commercial sheep as well. So more like your clins and things like that. Um, we also have a lot of pigs, so um, a lot. It's a lot of our pigs at Core as well. So we farm Core Abbey. Core Abbey, yeah. Um, so we farm about about four hundred and fifty acres these days, not all on site, like spread around this sort of um, side of the island. Matt's mostly the farmer, and we have another lad that works for us as well. But you've said that in busy seasons, it is all hands on deck. So yes. is everyone in the family getting involved now with the lambing? And Absolutely. Um, my daughter is um, an amazing stock girl. It's something that you can't you can't teach. You either have a natural instinct or you don't. And she, she's just incredible. She's obviously only nine. And even from the age of two, she'll be out on the farm, you know, getting her hands dirty, mucking. She's been wise beyond her years from a very young age. Um, but when it comes to sort of hay making and straw carting, you know, the children will be at on the back of the trailer stacking the bales um you know obviously small bales and yeah all getting involved it sounds like an amazing childhood it's, for them it's lovely for them you featured on a bbc show called farmer's country showdown which i didn't see and someone told me about it and i tried to watch it back and they've taken it off the iPlayer. It's, it's such a shame, but was that an amazing experience being you know, filmed? And just t tell me a bit about what they were filming you doing. Oh gosh, it was it was incredible. We I remember the casting for it and thinking after that very casting, it would be 
written off <laughs> like we would not get them we would not get the part um we were approached by them to take part you know in the casting we had the children on the sofa as you can imagine disappearing in all directions behind us as or, children do as children do <laughs> and I just thought oh you know great great opportunity but that's that um anyway they came back to us in the May to say we're filming next month um they're going to follow us um it's all very much about the county show and getting um, your sheep ready Which for the county show. Which is coming up soon, isn't it? It yeah. is. And um, it's the first one since the pandemic. Yeah, exciting. So exciting. They filmed us getting all the animals ready for the show, um, all the prep. And actually, that was my first season as Ducksmoor Botanics. So was, I had a stall at the county show as well. So they ended up following my journey as well as Matt's journey. And two days of filming, you know, quite intense but the most amazing team, they were brilliant. Well, we're going to talk about Ducksmoor Botanics in a little while, but amazing to have that exposure as yes. well so early on. Quite a few different people have recommended to me that I interview for you for the podcast. And I love that when listeners actually get in touch and they say this would be a great, great interview and they're not wrong. Um, but one of the things that people have said is how busy and multitasking you are. Aww. And obviously we've talked about you, the farmer's wife and the mom, and we know you've got your own, uh, your own business as well, but you also have a part-time job at the garlic farm I do I do <laughs> so I when I very first started the business um obviously it worked out quite well I kind of quit my job at the beginning of the summer so I was home for the children for the whole summer holidays but at the end of the summer holidays Matt did kind of point out to me that are you actually going to go and get a job in between while, you know, trying to build this company up? <laughs> so I did speak to the lovely Tash at the Garlic Farm and she said, Tash Boswell, Tash Boswell, yeah. um, inspirational woman. Um, and she said, yeah, pop down. So yeah, I've been there ever since. So I'm coming up for about three years, I think. But I think the little a revealing thing about your personality is you said to me that there's pretty much one reason you like going to work <laughs> I love to chat <laughs> and I don't hide it very well it's quite the thing I, I love being on the door there and meeting and greeting people seating them and then I can even when I'm taking their orders we chat chat about the farm or if they've seen the program as well they ask about the children we've got lots of regulars that come back and ask um yeah it's great well, loving to chat is what makes you a good podcast guest and also a great ambassador for the island because to do that BBC show, to be at the Garlic Farm, you know, greeting people who are visiting the island, I mean, you must really, really love it here. I do. I really do. I think we're so lucky to have such a diverse landscape. I think for our generation, I think most of the people, as a teenager particularly, probably left to go and seek opportunity and left the island to go and look for bigger things. But I think now you have some of those major companies setting up base and HQ here. You've got some real inspiring people like Rapa Nui. You've got these really big companies that are giving out opportunity to youngsters that, you know, may not be brave enough to take that leap. Well, we want to encourage those youngsters, don't we, to stay here. That's yes. definitely been a theme of, of lots of podcast interviews that I've done, which is to encourage them to stay and really make the most of what the island has to offer. We're so lucky to be sponsored by Spence Willard and it means every week I get the opportunity to take a look at the very best homes on the island property market. This week we're in Shorewell with a beautiful Georgian stone cottage set in lovely gardens. 
This three-bedroom family home has been lovingly restored with the help of local craftsmen and the cottage is within the area of outstanding natural beauty. So you'll be living in some of the island's most beautiful countryside. To find out more about this property or any others, do contact our sponsors, Spence Willard. All of their details can be found in the show notes. So it's this part of the podcast that I normally say, let's go back to life before living here. But you've not really left, have you? I mean, maybe just for a couple of years. Tell me about that. So yeah, I left when I was 19. I moved to Guildford. I worked for Vodafone at that time. Absolutely loved working for them. But again, the sea always draws you home. So came back home for a while. And then I worked for another company, training up the South region um, and implementing new stores for them. I quite liked that. That was down at Bournemouth, so I could still see home. So I felt more comfortable there. <laughs> but again, the pull of home always draws you here. So so just a couple of years off the island, but yes, otherwise, otherwise yeah. a, a whole life so far yeah. lived here. We've been talking about those sort of big companies that can give people opportunities. And I think you were probably quite lucky, actually, to get involved with one of those early ones. My goodness, yes. It was an incredible education. And I think in the earlier years under the management of, of Kim Buckland, and obviously Lizelle but under the Kim Buckland in particular was a real driving force a creative um, direction behind the brand of Lizelle and such an amazing ambassador passionate about the island and and also about opportunity for island island people you know you didn't have to have a degree in marketing or cosmetic science you obviously had those people in place within the company who commuted every day on the hover but they took us all under their wings and gave us those amazing opportunities you worked there for 13 years yes which bit of because like Lizelle I think of as having sort of three different places you could have worked where were you mostly based I'm based at Ride um yeah. yes in, in in the shop or in the HQ in the new HQ well say news probably <laughs> quite a few years old now but um initially there was a small customer center behind the retail behind the shop in the in the high street there um so we started off there really small teams I think there was only 150 people in the company when I started and obviously by the time I left there were thousands and so much bigger what was your role there what were you doing and I, I presume you kind of worked your way up as well yes yeah so I started very much in the customer center I think I did about three months in there before just thinking I I was so intrigued by the technical queries that we were getting from customers about the ingredients, about anything that made the paper, quite frankly, that I had to keep liaising with the chemists. So I very much then became um, sort of the technical coordinator. So working with the chemists and product development team and the packaging team. So making sure that we comply with the, you know, um, non-animal testing, but making sure that we complied with that for the Cruelty Free International and getting them through three audits, you know, working from the regulatory aspect, um, but also working on the formulas as well. And and also under the guidance of the most amazing chemists getting to play with the formulas in the lab at Biskra worked worked on every product pretty much so what happened why did you leave because some people won't know the history of of Lizelle you know it was obviously an independent company and then it got bought out yes so on a couple of occasions so Avon bought it initially and that was Okay, you know, I think when any of these takeovers particularly happen, you know, it's always sort of finance and product development that take a bit of a hit initially. Avon weren't too bad, you know, it was just more of an adapting to processes. You know, we had to send stuff to the States to be checked by their 
product development team and then come back again. But it was just a change in change in processes. It, you know, it was all fine. Um, then we were taken over by Boots. Um, and again, Boots have got an enormous product development team based in Nottingham. You know, it's a huge a huge company and we got to work with some really inspiring chemists there as well you know yeah lots of great opportunity but it became time to leave so when did you make that decision and why I think our roles became slightly more admin based there were perhaps less opportunity for playtime um, in terms of you know, playing with the formula as a major company you know that has to happen you know they have a huge product development team that they need to make use of as well up in Nottingham it just felt the time was right because well, you said you love making stuff you love yes. that being sort of in there with the product yeah. and the smells and everything. I'm so passionate about fragrance and, um, you know, I think as an aromatherapist, the love of essential oils for the sort of power of benefiting people and their properties, you know, and helping different um, sort of moods and things. But I love developing fragrance and I love how they make you feel. I love product and uh, cosmetic products. I absolutely love and so passionate about. So I think um, after I left Lizelle, I did do a brief stint elsewhere for sales and marketing and just missed that daily Oh, product fix. I really missed it. So my sister had a store in town at the time. So I said, oh, you know, I can make you some candles to sell, you know. Then I thought, well, if I'm making candles, I can make rediffusers, I can make room sprays. And then I thought, well, it's actually skincare that I'm passionate about <laughs> as well. So I can make this and I can make that. And, and so the birth of grown. a brand. Yes. So yes. Ducksmore Botanics. Yes. Named. Let's explain. Let's explain the name first of all. Yeah, Duxmore is our location. So we are Duxmore Barns, Duxmore Barns Farm. So it's very much about the location, but and being inspired by the location as well. So very much every element of the design is based on like our lavender border that you can see here. So at the bottom of our packs, you will always see the floral border, the colours, so the grey barns, um, features in the brand design. I'm so inspired daily by the sights and the sounds and the smells of the countryside and the coast and I will incorporate that into a fragrance so I will try and replicate that yeah into a smell. <laughs> so I'm sitting here heavily pregnant I think is probably the best way to describe me due next week and my island girlfriends threw me a kind of party a few weeks ago lunch party and they gave me this incredible gift and it was a box of your products so um, I got everything from essential oils to soaps and uh, oh lots of different things everything just smelled delicious scrubs you have a huge range now and just a couple of years because you only started three years ago yes and there's so much more to come um but it's I, I find it's really hard to try and step back so I'm always trying obviously I make everything so I do the website I am the accountant the marketeer the social media person um I Gosh, do, multitasking was about right is what yeah, I was told about you I do everything but I really there does come a time 
that you need to ask for help, <laughs> which I'm not very good at, and to be able to push that brand forward. How do you do that? I mean, what is the next stage for that? It's so hard. I don't, I, and I honestly don't think I really know. I think I'm in the current process of transferring the website over to a new platform because that has a lot more interaction um, and a lot more intelligent stuff going on behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, reaching out to people. Do you need um, investment? is that the next thing or then do you lose control I know that's always the conundrum isn't it it is yeah I mean it is something I have thought of and I do need to give more thought to but yeah it needs to push forward one of the things that's I mean obviously not unique but it is the sort of point of the brand is that everything's ethically sourced and and that was a Lizelle thing as well I think it was and I think and I think I'm really lucky to have had that um, background and education and connections really There's always the thought that perhaps, you know, when you're on a larger scale, those things are more accessible to you. But I met um, one of my suppliers at a cosmetic trade show, actually, when I was still working for Lizelle. They were too small for us at the time and wouldn't have been able to meet the order quantities. But actually, for a small brand, they were within reach and they, you know, they worked directly with the farmers and the growers. You know, they put investment back into the community. So they build schools for children, um, particularly with the shea butter sourcing in Ghana. There's um, facilities for the for the children there. The equipment's been invested in to make that process so much easier for the people. Um, you know, there's, I think, 2,400 women there in that cooperative. But you have that real, you know that, that they're, a fair price is being paid um, and the people are being ethically treated as well. But also that the um, botanicals are harvested in a responsible way so there's not you're not over harvesting them you know they're there for the future on that um, note of sustainability one of the people who very strongly recommended that I interview you was Nikki Hayward Um, so if you you don't know who Nikki Hayward is she ran the Seaview Hotel famously for many many years Um, she is an MBE partly for her early adoption of sustainability and I know that she's been following your business with interest so I asked her just to give us an idea of what's so special about you so I'm just going to read out what she said said her business is a shining example of a clever female entrepreneur giving great quality and customer care she takes multitasking to the extreme and I really admire her pluck and determination in spite of lockdowns and challenging times she's kept her nerve and created a brilliant brand at Duxmoor Botanic wow that actually makes me want to cry. <laughs> no tears are allowed on this Aww. podcast. We've had them once before. I think um, I think we got Alan Marriott pretty teared up about um, about the county press. So Aww. does that sum up? Do you think what you've been what you've been trying to do? My goodness, yes, <laughs> I do feel quite teary. Yeah, it's been hard, particularly with lockdown. You know, I think you really have to have grit and determination. I think when you have three children at home, all on a different education level um trying to homeschool them at the time I was manufacturing for another brand as well so I was trying to manufacture at that time in my kitchen I had 500 candles on the table to, oh, wow. and the children were not allowed to eat in the kitchen <laughs> like in the lounge and Matt on the farm wasn't here he couldn't be here you know they have a bigger job to do and at that time of lockdown we were uh, farming 1250 acres so three times the size really of where we are now and so yeah it wasn't possible to have that help so the children were quite feral <laughs> at points um but, but I think that I think lockdown though you know was actually where a lot of women 
Sean and where it became so evident actually how good we are yes at multitasking and, yep. and how much you can achieve when you really have to yeah exactly yeah. you really have to and you really want to um just on Ducksmore Botanics I just wanted to ask in terms of your sales how much is online how much is is sort of traditionally you know in shops and and also how much is on the island and how much is off the island so it's a really good question and I think that really has been the real test if I'm honest with you the lockdowns in particularly obviously everything was online um so your online sales were crazy um you know crazy busy everyone was sending each other a gift um which was wonderful and obviously now with retail open there are I would say the split really is possibly retail is definitely the driving force now at the moment where people are out and about more is that mostly island-based retail Yes, um, predominantly. I mean, we have a couple of dockists on the mainland and I'm keen to grow some of that. I'm kind of careful about, you know, where we're stocked, but um, everywhere, every place that we're stocked currently has a meaningful connection or a personal connection in some way. So where have you got Um, some of your products? So the Garlic Farm, we have a really lovely um, display and I celebrated two years in there recently. So um, I put in a much bigger display in there, which was really lovely. Robin Hill are our neighbours as well. So we have a small selection in there just um, to keep that story. But yeah, there's a few lovely boutiques on the island as well one of the things that I'm very passionate about is that the Isle of Wight as a brand is so strong and is so strong on the mainland and yes I don't see why we shouldn't become like Cornwall where if something's made in Cornwall yeah it's a great boost to it in terms of sales and I feel the same about the Isle of Wight so how important is that Isle of Wight branding do you think to you oh so important so much so I developed the island um collection so (gasps) I have a whole fragrance range devoted to to the island um, and I love the design work so much I had cushions made yeah you're, so random you should explain Charlotte's <laughs> waving a really beautiful cushion so is that are you selling the cushions as well yes oh my goodness yes. so moving into homewares yes I think this is going to become a huge huge success this brand and oh, thank all you. based here on the Isle of Wight so finally we always ask our guests a quick fire round of five things about the island so Charlotte are you ready for your five things I believe I am (laughs) (laughs) okay number one I don't know if you ever get time to do this favorite place to eat or grab a coffee Okay, so for me, um, slightly biased, but it is the garlic farm. It's a stone's throw from here and it's just so easy to get to. Number two, best place for a walk, swim or meditation? So I love to run. Um, so I like to run over the downs here, down through Arriton Valley, through to Merston and back. Yeah, that sounds like quite a long run. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, number three, your favourite island activity? Uh, so for me, it's managing this landscape, frankly. Um, it's quite time consuming, um, all of the woodland area. Um, but the one thing I think I'd like to do and I haven't done yet is paddle boarding at St. Helens. Okay. So that is on this year's list of things to do. Make Bucket time. list. Well, yes. you know, we're now sort of thinking about season two and what our five questions should be. And I wonder if we should have like a bucket list question. Oh, that's, that's a really good idea. Yeah, yeah. thanks for that, Charlotte. Okay. Number four, very important question. Which island charity is closest to your heart? So many to choose from, but I think I quite like a, a good friend of mine set up the White Aid. He was a founder of IFPL on the island and, you know, used to getting so many charitable requests. What's IFPL? Um, so they do like 
in flight i oh, probably correct okay. me <laughs> in flight things jeff i'm sorry but, but they founded white aid white aid so um basically companies around the island can donate to them and they distribute the funds to island charities so it's like an umbrella charity that then distributes the funds okay, yes that's yes. really smart yeah really yeah, really good there are so many charities aren't there on, there are you know, and so it's many so different hard causes to, that, yeah and they're all you can always find a connection with one or two and the final question what do you love most about this island of ours i we've obviously touched on it a few times already but the diverse landscape but um i have one special place for me and that is seagrove bay and kind of the illustration from the island is actually inspired by the outlook from the bay looking out to sort of the um benbridge um lifeboat station and around the wrap around the bay there it's the one place that i can be with three children on my own on a beach and feel like i can manage it's quite empowering (laughs) and feel like you know perfectly safe um you know they have got yeah space to play and it's a very special bay just one again I think for the fifth year in a row and one of the sort of best beach awards you could be anywhere else in the world being there it's just stunning well it's one of my local beaches too so I hope that I will bump into you in the summer Charlotte thank you it's been amazing to get to know you better and hear your island story big thank you to Spence Willard estate agent selling and letting some of the finest coastal and country property across the island for helping us bring you this podcast if you want more island news sign up for my weekly email newsletter 5-stories.co.uk I'm Harriet Hadfield. My producer is Alex Warren. You'll find us on Instagram at Island Stories Podcast. Please do tune in next week for the final episode of Island Stories in this season.